If not, he could and did remain invisible until the moment he chose to make his move, and most whites didn't know a thing about it until they woke up dead. Suddenly he tensed and drew rein again. He could smell the faintest remnants of a campfire on the air. No, he corrected himself almost immediately, not a campfire, something more sinister than that. A moment later he reached the lip of the arroyo and saw the black and still smoldering skeleton of a burned-out Murphy wagon directly below. That and the two fly-covered dead men sprawled beside it. Being approached now by the buzzards who, true to form, were figuring to start the feast with their victim's eyes, although he could have sent the birds on their way with a single shot skyward, he knew better than to advertise his presence in the vicinity. Instead, he found a spot nearby where the arroyo wall had caved in on itself and urged the gelding down into the gully itself, and his arrival alone was sufficient to scatter the feasting flies and send the buzzards back into the air with an indignant flapping of tousled wings. Up close, the stink of burnt flesh turned his stomach, and he had to swallow hard to keep from losing his meager breakfast as he ran his ice-blue eyes across the scene before him. The wagon was standing on its nose against the near-side wall, its two-horse team, lying crumpled and very dead beneath it. It looked as if the wagon had accidentally tipped into the arroyo, killing the team, splintering the front half of the box, and leaving its two passengers afoot and most likely injured. What was left of the dead men's clothes identified them as buffalo hunters, most probably from adobe walls, an ancient Spanish stockade not far from here which men, in their line, had recently turned into an unofficial fur-trading settlement. Neither did it take much imagination to work out what had led to the tragedy. As he figured it, the wagon had been traveling at speed, its occupants throwing caution to the wind, and their determination to outrun whoever was pursuing them. Unfortunately, they'd run themselves right into the arroyo instead, and after that they had no place else to go. The state of the dead men left him no doubt as to just whom the pursuers had been. Comanches. Quahati Comanches if he read the signs correctly. They were masters when it came to making their enemies suffer, and what had happened here proved it beyond all doubt. He dismounted and tied his skittish horse to the blackened remains of a ruined wagon hoop, then took a closer look around. The wagon's charred sideboards were still warm to the touch, which told him that the slaughter had taken place earlier that day, maybe a little after sunup. The Comanches had scalped the first of the hide men while he was still alive, and then set fire in his belly and settled back to watch while he burned from the inside out. They even propped his head up with a couple of rocks so that he could watch along with them. They were considerate like that. And as for the other one, well, he was just turning towards the second corpse when it groaned, and he realized the corpse was actually no such thing that, incredibly, the man had survived everything the Comanches had done to him and was still alive. He hurried over and dropped to his knee beside the man, whose bloody, beaten features were now beginning to stir. The Indians had pared off his ears and chopped off his fingers, and Hennessy tried not to look at what they had done to his crotch any longer than he had to. The man's lips moved, but when no sound emerged, Hennessy leaned closer until he could just about decipher the painful rasp. Water! Please, give me some water. He went back to his horse to fetch his canteen. A moment later he was kneeling beside the dying man again, cradling his head with one hand, holding the canteen to his blood-caked lips, 
with the other. A few precious drops slid down the tortured man's parched throat. More leaked from the corners of his trembling mouth. The man grimaced then as a new wave of pain hit him. Keep, keep riding, he gasped when it subsided. Warren, Billy, and the others. I'll, began Hennessy, but said no more. The dying man's eyes rolled up in his head, and he shuddered once and was gone. Hennessy sagged. It was never easy to watch another man die. Be he friend, enemy, or total stranger, it made him feel powerless, angry, and constantly at the mercy of an unkind fate. A few solemn moments passed. Then he got back up to his feet and stoppered the canteen. Billy, he thought, remembering the dead man's final words. He wondered if that would be Billy Dixon, the old friend he'd come all this way to see. A little more than.